Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Anton Crowley with me. Anton has been making a full-time income online for years with e-commerce businesses. Today, he mainly owns dropshipping businesses, and he does all this location independently. Anton went from graduating from college to offline business to e-commerce to importing to dropshipping. I'm excited to have Anton on Success Harbor today because I know so many people that want to build location-independent businesses, and he is succeeding doing that. Welcome. Yeah, thanks, George. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being here, Anton. So talk about your first business, which is an offline business. Um, how did you get started in that and what was that business? Yeah, so I started that one right after college. I graduated from college in 2006 and I actually got started with an offline business that I kind of had the idea from from a friend. One of my friend's fathers owned a delivery company. It was a delivery route for a company that actually makes bread. So I'm from New York and my friend's dad owned this company that had delivery routes. They had contracts with supermarkets and stores like that. And they would deliver these products and they would get paid per delivery. And I found out that they were making a ton of money and it was just a huge business. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I could buy a smaller company similar to that. I could grow it and then I could you know, make a lot of money from it and flip it. So my plan was buy a business that was kind of undervalued or underperforming, build it up, then sell it, and then reinvest that money into another offline business. So my first actual business was a delivery route for a bakery that's located in Brooklyn, New York. I bought the company. It came with a truck and everything, and I would drive into the bakery every morning. I would pick up the products, and then I would go out and deliver to my accounts and try to pick up new accounts. So that was really my first business that I owned that was an actual real offline business. So how do you look at... You know, you know, based. I mean, we're talking about now to about 2006, right? So maybe 2006, 2007 or so. And now, you know, in 2014, how do you look at that person, that Anton, back in 2006, compared to who you are today? Yeah, well, I'm happy I uh, I started there because I I did learn a lot about what I don't want to do, and I would definitely give myself some advice if I looked back, but. Totally, totally different transition. And luckily for me, I would say the transition happened very early on. I only owned that business for several months before actually taking it online. So I don't have too much experience with offline. I've dabbled back into it throughout my, I guess, eight years in business now. But uh, yeah, it was, um, I think it was the right move at the time simply because I knew nothing about online business back in this time. And it was 2006 going into 2007. I really looked at online business as something that cost tons of money to get involved with. I didn't know about, I, I knew nothing. I, I thought if you wanted a website built, you were looking at you know $20,000 investment. I thought online businesses were reserved for people that already had a lot of cash. And I was just coming out of school, didn't have much money at all. You know, I had what I saved up from summer jobs and I, I didn't think it was for me. But what I learned and the reason I was able to transition so quickly from offline to online was like many people I know that are living this location independent lifestyle now, I read the book, The 4-Hour Work Week, when it was published in 2007. And the, the one thing that that book really did for me was introduce me to e-commerce. And there was, it's, you know, it's not that long of a book, but there's a little section in it that talks about how you can use Yahoo Stores, which is an e-commerce platform, and it's $29 a month, and it allows you to basically just build an online store. And again, this is something that I thought you would need tens of thousands of dollars to do. And what it did for me, ju just that little section in the book that told me I could start an online business for $29, 
got me started right away. So I don't recommend Yahoo Stores now. It's a seriously dated platform, yeah. but it got me yeah. started. So, yeah. It used to be the thing. I mean, uh, I remember 2004, 2003, that was all the, all the rage, Yahoo Stores. Yeah, it was huge. So, it was huge. And I mean, obviously, if, I, I'm, sure that, I'm, I'm sure the fact that Tim Ferriss recommended didn't, uh, didn't hurt either. I'm pretty sure it blew up their, uh, their sales, but it was great for a while I had it. But yeah, looking back, I would tell myself, you know, do the same path, get, get kind of that experience. Because when I had the offline business, you know, it's a totally different world, dealing with different contracts, dealing with these store managers, dealing with tons of different accounts. It's such a different world. So I'm happy I have that because now I know that I don't want to do that again. So then you started in, uh, in, a, in, a, in e-commerce with um, what, what was the product that you were selling? So actually, the, the, my very first go at it was um, in the book, again, The 4-Hour Workweek. He talks about, he gives some examples of things you could sell online. And I was thinking, okay, well, what type of products can I actually sell? What do I have access to? And I had this contract with this bakery in Brooklyn, New York that had been there for well over 50 years. It was a you know, very like, established place. People knew it. So I, I talked to them and I said, I want to sell these products online. And they said, okay, you can get us more sales. Go ahead and do it. They had no online presence, you know, a very simple website with a few pages of content, but no e-commerce store. So I built my own store and I actually private labeled it. And the way I set up the store was targeting people that had either moved away from New York or people that had been to New York and tried the fresh bakery products and that wanted to purchase them. So, you know, many people, when they retire, they move out of New York and maybe they miss the foods they used to be able to get back home. So I built an online store actually selling these bakery products. Obviously, I marked them up even more and I charged for shipping and I put it up on a Yahoo store platform. I started using Google AdWords. I was getting traffic right away. And within, seriously, it was, I, I don't remember the exact time frame, but within a couple of weeks, I was making more money from that online store than I was from driving to that baker every morning, picking up products, spending hours and hours and hours in traffic, driving around to different stores. My online business quickly surpassed the income that I was making from the offline business. So that's when I knew right away, okay, this stuff works. It's real. And from there, I just ran with it. So at, at what point, because these are low ticket items, even if you can, you know, you, you can increase the margin, but still, you know, I mean, you're not talking about hundreds of dollars in terms of the order size, right? So it's a kind of a low ticket item. Exactly. At what what point did you realize that, you know, this is great, but it could be a lot greater if right. I would sell more expensive things? It, it was pretty early on. I was doing this for, I, I don't know, maybe a few months and uh, making good money from it. It wasn't bad. But like, like you said, the, my average ticket price was around $25. So it really takes a lot of orders to make money. So at this same time, one of my former college roommates, he was actually working for a mortgage company. He was working for a countrywide and he was doing really well, um, making a lot of money straight out of college. But they went bankrupt. Um, you know, that's when the whole real estate market kind of collapsed in the States. So he was without a job. He was talking to me and he saw that I was making a good amount of money online and he was interested. So I said, OK, you know, I, I trusted him. I knew him from school. We both went to business school. Um, I, I re like our values kind of aligned. So I said, let's let's do some research and let's see if we could start another e-commerce business together. So within a few months of me starting my first online store, myself and my uh, now my former business partner, we had sold our businesses, we started together. But we started meeting up and just doing research together and researching really high ticket items because I thought, well, this is working now for these you know, $20 items, $30 items. Why can't we sell something for $1,000 plus? So that's what we researched together. And I'd say within a few months, we had done enough research to the point where we were confident if we put up a store, we'd get sales. The problem there is we didn't have any contracts with suppliers for these expensive products because, like I said, my first business online, I already had my offline contact. So for this one, 
we actually went to Alibaba.com and found some suppliers in China. Now this was okay. yeah this was before I've ever even traveled outside of the states. So I didn't have a passport, I've never been to China, didn't know anything about importing, and to this day I still haven't been to China and I've imported dozens and dozens of containers. So we did it all online, kind of took a just took a shot at it and hoped that the products that we ordered arrived the way they said they would be and they did. And that's how that's how I started with high, uh, more expensive items. So can you give me like a couple of examples of some of the things that you imported, these higher ticket items? Yeah, I don't really talk about the niches I sell in just because I have sold a lot of these websites and I try to not bring on more competition to the people that have paid, um, you know, paid me for these websites. But uh, mm -hmm. just, just very expensive items, very general things. One thing I do is try to sell very uh, items that items that don't have any brand loyalty. So items that a customer might search for online and not be looking for, you know, two or three brands that dominate in the market. So there's hundreds of different niches. I, I work within a few dozen different ones. But um, yeah, just, just basically expensive items that people would buy that they aren't looking for a specific brand. Okay. So then in uh, by about 2009, you have stopped importing and you transitioned into drop shipping. Why did you make that shift? Yeah, it actually wasn't even intentional. We, uh, we had our stores up. We were doing very well, making tons of money. But then we actually had people start contacting us. And I didn't know, I still, so I had been online for about three years at that point, And I didn't even know what dropshipping was. That wasn't even, I, I, I had no idea. Um, back in this time, it was basically myself and my business partner just running our businesses, teaching ourselves, learning ourselves. And we didn't have any real resources. So the only things that we knew how to do were things that we had tested and taught ourselves. But what happened um, around this point is we started ranking really high for a lot of, I guess, competitive keywords and companies started finding us that had sold similar products. And they basically didn't, they didn't mention dropshipping. And still most companies don't use the term dropshipping that actually do dropship. But these companies reached out to us and they said, we sell these products. We have this brand. They would fit in well on your website. Would you be willing to sell for us? If you sell for us, here's the price list. Here's what you should sell the items for. Here's what you would pay us. And we have these items in stock in the United States. We're going to ship them to your customers. And basically, you take the order. We send the order to the supplier, and we keep the difference. So I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. Let's give it a try. So the first few companies that approached us with this, uh, this business model, we went ahead and listed their products, and we started making sales, and we started making more money. And then we thought, okay, wow, this is amazing. We don't have to pay tens of thousands of dollars for inventory. We don't have to pay these huge fees for shipping items uh, to the States. We don't have to pay for our warehouse fee anymore. We could just basically be a retailer. So it's the same as being you know, a huge department store. That's how I describe it to people, like a Nordstrom's or a Macy's. They're huge stores. They don't make their own products. They sell for a bunch of different brands and they make money on it. And what's even better about doing it online is you don't even have to pre-purchase this inventory. You could just sell it and make money on it. So I'd say so, within... Mm -hmm, go ahead. So you didn't mind losing control over your supply chain because, you know, you also take a risk, right, when you, when you become a dropshipper because what if the company runs out of inventory or they're doing a poor job fulfilling orders? So you didn't find that was a challenge? I'd say it would be if, if we found one supplier, one dropship supplier that had everything and that we only sold for that, I would never do that. That wouldn't, that wouldn't work for me. But the way it worked is we had many different brands contact us. So by the time we had transitioned 
at first it was a mix of drop shipping and we were still importing. But by the time we had transitioned to solely drop shipping, I think we had well over 20 or 30 different brands on our website with sales spread across them. So of course there's risk. Some suppliers maybe will run out of inventory. Maybe some will do a bad job with processing orders. And that's happened before. And when it happens, I simply stop selling for these suppliers. But it's not like we put all our eggs in one basket with one supplier and said, okay, we're selling for them. We don't import anymore. We transitioned mm -hmm. from being uh, just one company that sold very generic products to a company that sold for, at the end, dozens and dozens of brands. And this is all, what I'm talking about now is with my first set of stores. So just with, I've worked now with over hundreds and hundreds of suppliers, but this first set of stores, by the time we had transitioned from importing to, to um, drop shipping, it was already definitely over 20 brands. And by the time we had sold them, I think it was close to, to over 70 different brands. So there is not enough upside in controlling everything. So to be an importer and a designer of the product and everything compared to drop shipping well, uh, for you to stick with the uh, just, you know, just being, the, you know, just being the everything of the business as opposed to just selling other companies products. Yeah, the thing is, it's a totally different business. And that's what we realized. So when when you're selling for other brands, so I don't drop ship generic products, I drop ship for, for brands that people are searching for and buying. So it, it just totally changes the whole the whole business model, because now the traffic I'm trying to get, it's not for generic keywords, like niche, uh, niche keywords, because that just doesn't convert. If someone's searching for something, let's say like in the lighting niche, someone's searching for a chandelier, then there's not a good chance they're going to land on my site and buy a chandelier, even if I have thousands of them, because they don't know what they want yet. But when you're selling for different brands and you're listing products with the brand name, with the product name, with the SKU number, with all the other unique product identifiers, you're getting very targeted traffic. So it's totally different. Um, I like this better because people come to your site and they're much more likely to buy because they know what they want. And with importing, of course, there is higher margins. Um, you know, of course, you have control of your inventory. But at the same time, it takes a lot more I would say money, it takes a lot more of investment. And because of that, you want to invest more time into it. So when we were working on the importing business model, I was probably putting in, it doesn't even sound like a lot, but I was probably working eight hour days, which I know is like the average work day, if not less. But with, when we transitioned to drop shipping, we were able to really step back from the business and outsource a lot more of it because there's not as much money, money of yours in the line and you're just getting so much more traffic because instead of having you know, 100 SKUs in your website front that you're importing, all of a sudden you could have thousands and thousands of them. So things could change really fast and dropshipping is much simpler to automate than importing. When you're importing, the, I'd say one of the main things is dealing with returns. When they're coming back to your warehouse, and especially when you're selling expensive items, it's just a whole, it's an expensive process. You have to have someone inspect the item. You have to have someone repackage the item. If it was damaged, it has to be fixed. And then with dropshipping, if someone wants to return an item, okay, here's the supplier's address. Send them an authorization number to return it. So totally mm -hmm. different business model. And for me, at least at this point, uh, dropshipping makes much more sense. I'm sure in the future when I'm ready to move back to the States and kind of settle down in one place for a while, I probably will get back into importing just because I have so many numbers across the stores I own. I know different products I could import and make a lot of money on. But at this point in my life, like you spoke about when you introduced me, I, I am living location independently. I lived last year in, uh, in Thailand. I was down in South America for a while. I'm in Vietnam now. And if I was running the same type of importing business I was when I first started, this wouldn't be possible, at least not the way it is mm -hmm. now. 
Yeah. So when 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 you started out, did you focus on just one particular store, or did you try multiple ones at the same time? And what is your recommendation for somebody that wants to start with uh, dropshipping? Uh, should they try maybe two or three simultaneous and to see which one is going to work or just focus on one and then move on to the next one if it works or if it fails or whatever? I always recommend starting with one because there is definitely a process to this. There's a, oh, like a, a system you could, you could learn, a system you're going to go through when you're building a new e-commerce store. And I always say it's better to make a mistake once than three times. So Some people jump into this and they want to build three stores at once and then they realize maybe they did something wrong that took them so much time. Then they have to go back and correct it three times. So I always say start with one, go through the entire process of having an idea to making it profitable, even if it's not making you that much money. You know, when it's your first store, there's always going to be things you could do to optimize and tweak it. And you're going to be learning as you go through the process. But get that first one up, get it profitable and then move on from there. And when I first started, I started with one store. And the way that we uh, we did it was we started with one store that was very um, it was in a general niche. And as sales started coming in and we noticed there were, we noticed that there were kind of sub-niches on our site. So think of it as uh, one main category with a lot of subcategories. And then we noticed which subcategories were performing the best. And what we eventually did was spin them off into their own e-commerce stores to see when customers come to a site, if they come to a site for something very specific rather than something more general, how will that increase conversions? And what we found is that when we targeted it for very niche-specific uh, niches, basically very, uh, very specific niches rather than those broader categories, we saw our conversion rates go up a lot. So, you, you know, with uh, the Yahoo stores, it was, I think, $29 a month. So it's not much money to build a new store. So what we did was take our first store that was a broader niche. And eventually we broke that down into four sub niches, keeping our main store as well, just to have more of a presence in that space. And we found that our four stores that were very targeted, very niche specific did the best. So since then, since I would say, 2008, 2009, every new store that I've built has been very niche specific. It's very targeted. When a customer searches for one of these items, if they come to my site, they're only going to see those items. They're not going to see, it's not going to be like an Amazon where they could buy anything. They're going to be able to find what they want. The stores, the whole theme of the store is going to be targeted around that very specific niche. All of the content on that site is going to be very targeted towards that specific niche. Because again, the customers that are searching for the products that I'm selling, already know what they want to buy, so I'm letting them only see what they want to buy once they find me. So you want to go deep rather than wide and thin. Definitely, definitely. Okay. I also heard that you're selling or have sold some of your dropship sites. Why do you sell them instead of hanging on to them and let them make money for you? So the first time, I, I'm not selling any now. I, I still do own a handful of sites that I run, but the first time that I sold them uh, is going back to this, these businesses that we're talking about that I had started with a business partner. I would say it was in a, it was a, a few years ago now, maybe two or three years ago, myself and my business partner were living in different states. I'm from New York. He was up in New York. I had moved down to North Carolina because I like to play golf and it's nicer weather year round. So I was down there and um, we kind of, not our business was was steady, but it wasn't growing anymore. So we both saw that, you know, we were doing well, we were making a good amount of money off it, but neither of us were really trying to grow it. So I thought, okay, well, maybe this is because I think he's doing less work now, or he thinks I'm doing less work now. And there was just kind of a separation there and where we wanted to go with things. Um, I kind of and yeah, we, we talked about buying each other out. So maybe I would own the stores or he would own it. And then we thought, okay, well, how much would you pay me if you'd buy me out? And we thought, we don't know, we don't know what this business is worth. So we actually started calling different business brokers to value our website. So we 
could buy one another out basically so we could put a value on our business and what we found out is that it was worth way more than either of us were willing to pay each other um we both knew how easy it was to start we both knew how um you know what we had put into it and the value was just to- it blew us away so i basically told my business partner i'm not going to pay you this for it he told me there's no way i'm going to pay you for this so we said okay let's let's sell it you know why not so that's how we got started. We had listed our first group of stores that we had started together with a business broker. They got a sale for us within a few months. We got paid off for it. And yeah, that, that's why, basically. That's how I started selling them. And what I learned from that experience is that there's a lot of people out there with a lot of money who are looking to buy profitable, semi-automated businesses. So I have nothing wrong with starting a site that cost me less than 100 bucks that I could turn into a huge asset and have a big payday for. So when I build new stores now, that's, that's my goal. I like to build them, build them up as big as possible, show consistent profitability, and then sell it to someone who has the cash, who's looking for a business, who maybe doesn't want to do all that legwork in the beginning themselves. Okay. Um, let's talk about, you know, um, driving traffic to, to the site. What is, what is working today? I mean, things have changed since 2009 and, you know, everything changes very, very fast. But today in 2014, what works to drive traffic organically to, to websites? Yeah, so I, I keep it pretty simple. Again, my whole thing is once I have that traffic, getting them to convert. That's why I build very niche specific stores. That's why once someone's on my site, I really target that exact person that's coming to my site. Um, instead of sending them to some kind of like big shopping mall, I send them to exactly what they're looking for. So a big thing for me is get the traffic and make sure it converts. I am not a, a content marketing guy. I don't really go after, like I said, the, those general niche keywords. Um, let's say like the broad niche that my store's in or the specific niche my store is in. I used to invest a lot of money into SEO. I ranked high for a lot of those keywords and I found that they don't convert. So what converts for me are those very targeted searches, the brand name, the product name, the SKU number, a mix of the three any way possible. So I actually do rank very high for those terms, for those, I guess they're, they're long tail keywords, but they're the keywords that buyers are searching for. But the main, my main source of traffic, my highly, my most highly converting source of traffic are Google PLAs, Google product listing ads. They're the ads that show up if a customer, potential customer, goes on Google and types in the product name they want to buy or the SKU number or whatever it is. You'll see the the listings of the, the product photos, the price, and the store name. So it is paid ads now. It was free until 2011, then they switched it over. Uh, or is, maybe 2012, but they switched over. So I, uh, I pay for those. I get traffic that way and it's buying traffic. So not only are they searching for the product they want to buy, but they're actually seeing the price. They're seeing the images before they even click your ad. So it's very highly converting traffic. So that's my main source. Another traffic source that I love are Amazon uh, product listing ads. So I don't sell on Amazon because they charge insanely high fees. Maybe if you're importing, if you have your own brand, it's worth it because you have more margins to work with. With dropshipping, selling through Amazon, I haven't found it to be profitable. I know some people that do it, but for me, the, the smaller margins aren't worth it. But what Amazon allows you to do is actually place ads on their website. And it looks very similar to Google PLAs, to Google Shopping, where they'll show the image of your product, the price, and your store name. And they'll show these ads on their actual product pages that are related to what you're selling. So going back to this, uh, the lighting niche, let's say I'm selling a chandelier and someone's on Amazon. They're obviously looking to buy because Amazon's a shopping portal and they're on one of Amazon's own chandelier product pages. 
Amazon will show related ads for external stores. So if you're on one of those pages and I sold chandeliers, you might see an image of one of my products and a link. So I also advertise there pretty heavily and I find that to convert very high as well. So for me, I like, I like paid ads. I think that it's the, the quickest way to actually get traffic to your site, the quickest way to actually make money. And if you track things right, which is huge, that I didn't do when I started for the first like three years. And when I started, I found it out, I found out I was blowing a lot of money. But if you could, if you set up tracking the right way, it's very easy to see which products, uh, which product listing ads are profitable and just reinvest more money there. So that's how I do it. That's what works for me. I don't do blogging on any of my e-commerce stores. I don't do any of the content marketing at all. It's all about mostly paid ads. And then the organic traffic comes from those long tail keywords. And so basically, it sounds like that this way you have a lot more control. Uh, you know, you you know your budget for ads, and you know you can turn it on and turn it off, as opposed to hoping that Google will pick you up if you're going to blog and do all that content marketing, right? Yeah, right. And then also, when I used to do back when I started, when I used to do the content content marketing, it like you said, sometimes you rank, sometimes you don't. And then when you do, I found even with all that work and money I was paying to rank, the traffic just didn't convert. So I, I was it's kind of stressed out because I was paying huge monthly fees to SEO companies. I was having all this unique content and then I was ranking finally for this list of keywords that I thought were going to blow up my business. And then I was getting a lot of traffic, but the people that they're not really buyers, the, the conversion rate's so low. So it's just, it, it's never really made sense to me to, to try to rank for those. So what kind of conversion rates are you looking for? What are the KPIs? Is it, uh, where do you have to be where you say, yeah, this, this makes sense for me to run this ad or, or I have to make adjustments because it's not giving me the conversion rate? Yeah, the, the baseline that I try to get my stores to is 2% conversion. And again, like the, it's based on traffic source. So I don't like talking about conversion rates as kind of an overall thing because sometimes you know a blog will link you and you'll get tons of traffic from it, but they just want to check out your site. They're not really buyers. So off Google, um, off Google Shopping, off Google PLAs, off Amazon, I'm looking for a baseline of 2%. I want to get it to at least there, and then I'm happy. And from there, I try to just really just focus on things that really optimize conversions and get it up and up and up. I have some stores that around the holidays convert between 4 and 5%, which is amazing, but 2% is really my, my first goal. Okay. So let's talk about selecting uh, uh, dropshipping products. You know, um, cheap stuff doesn't work, right? Uh, you want something that's a little bit more money. But what is the range? Is it something that like thousands of dollars that you want to sell or is it $100? What is a sweet spot to find in terms of cost for uh, the ideal product? Yeah, I, I personally like $1,000 plus, but I sell, as a general rule, I would say anything $200 or more. I, I usually find that my average net profit is around 20%. So if I'm selling a $200 item, I'm making you know 40 bucks on it, and that's okay for me. I, I'll take that. So 200 is really my minimum. I will go lower if it's a supplier that has really good margins, which you can find. But I like to sell those items that are 1,000 plus, and I do use a, a call center in the States that handles my phone support. So what, you, what I find is that these, these items in these more expensive niches, these really expensive $1,000 plus items, the customers, even if they're going to buy and they don't have any questions on the product, they want to place their order on the phone. They want to call in to make sure the company really is legit to make sure someone's going to answer the phone if there's ever a problem, you know, and they have to call in. So they're calling. So if you want to get into these 
more expensive niches, then I would say phone support is a must. I used to say phone support isn't really necessary around like you know the two to seven hundred dollar range, but in in the last year or so, I, I've really seen that change. My stores that I used to get a lot of sales on in that lower range, people are like everyone's calling to place orders now. So I, I think phone support's a must, but as far as the price range, I would say two hundred dollars plus to really make it worth your time. And uh, what company do you use to outsource the uh, the phone support for? I actually, I, when I, I've tested so many companies, the company I use now, it's not really even a company. It's a, it's a very small place that I found years ago. I was posting ads on, on Craigslist in smaller cities. I was posting them under the gig section in smaller cities in uh, the Midwest and the States. And I had someone reply that had a few people that said, yeah, we can handle this for you. And they basically only handle phone support for me. But it, mm -hmm. it's by far the cheapest rate. So that's what I recommend everyone do if you're, if you're trying to find a call center at a really good price. If you just Google call center or e-commerce call center or anything like that, it's expensive. So I, I recommend going on uh, Craigslist and posting in the gig section and saying mm -hmm. what hours every day you want someone to be on the phone and try to either pay them. Like I, I've worked out different arrangements, but I, th the best way to do it is pay them a small amount um, per day for the hours you want them on, and then also offer them a percentage of your net profit if they can close sales over the phone. So that's something I do as well, and it works out great. So don't go with a big factory? No. Try to just yeah. find somebody? Okay. You, you could save okay. a ton of money that way. Okay. So let's talk about finding dropshippers. And what I'm interested in is how do you find dropshippers that are reliable? Um, I wonder if you can share maybe you know, like your due diligence when you, when you look at a new niche – Mm -hmm. And you make a decision. Okay, this this looks good. And and what what are the steps? Uh, like in you know maybe broad strokes that you go through to make a selection on the right product for you. Yeah, I basically just reverse engineer the competition. That's what I've always done since I've been in uh, in in dropshipping. I find stores that are already very successful using this business model using dropshipping. And the thing is, no one. I said it earlier, but no one calls themselves dropshippers. So I, I refer to it as dropshipping because that's really what it is. But these companies will never, never call themselves dropshippers. They don't even like that term. Some of them don't even know what it is. So if you Google, you know, whatever products you want to sell and dropshipper, the only companies you're going to find are just these middlemen scams, basically, that make money by charging membership fees to get you to resell their products. And a lot of the times, these companies that come up when you Google whatever product plus dropshipping, you could actually find the products for less money on Amazon. So that's totally the wrong way to do it. What, what I do is I find companies that are already very successful, and I go on their websites, and I look at their site maps, or sometimes they even just link to it, to a, a brand section, and I see who they're selling for. So I see what companies they currently sell for. I Google all those companies, and I reach out to them. So that's, uh, that's the basic gist of it. I, I find successful companies, and I do what they're doing, but I do what I've learned over the past eight years to try to do it better and take their business. So how do you start working with, uh, and I'm, I'm keep calling them dropshippers, but I, yeah. I agree, you know, right. I mean, it's just kind of like an inside term, but, you know, it, right. we don't talk to them about, uh, about being dropshippers. But so when you start working with dropshippers, when they don't trust you uh, and, 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 you know, somebody's brand new to, to the business, uh, what, what do they need to, what do they need to, uh, to do to, to kind of present themselves the right way? Yeah, you really do have to sell yourself because the, these companies, the, these suppliers, they obviously they do want to work with new companies. They want to work with companies that are going to make them money and bring them new sales. But the main thing that I've learned about 
these suppliers is what they really care about beyond you sending them orders is customer support. Because when you're selling for these companies, you're selling for their brand name. So if it's a good company that actually cares about their brand and cares about their reputation, they don't just accept everyone that says, I want to sell your products, because if they did, you'd have companies out there maybe not fulfilling orders or selling their, their products with terrible customer service or selling their products too cheap or you know, just they want companies that they could trust that really are going to offer great customer service to people that buy the products, that are going to place orders on time with them, and that are going to treat their customers right. So the main thing that I do when I'm basically selling myself to new suppliers is talk about the customer service that I have in place and how well I will represent their brand. Because any any good brand, that's their main concern. So you uh, you have to have a, a website uh, with some demo products, or you know, let's say you're starting out already listed. Uh, will they look at it? Uh, yeah. What if they don't like the products that you list on there? Uh, what advice do you have on on listing some dummy products? Yeah, I've never had anyone tell me they don't like the products I've listed before. But if you're going to enter a new space and start contacting suppliers, they do want to see your website. They're definitely going to check it again. Again, because you're um, you're selling their brand, you're representing their brand, so they want to make sure your website looks legitimate. So, I I basically put up a site, and then I'll upload products from two or three different brands out of my list of suppliers, and then I'll contact the other ones. And then as soon as I'm approved with the first supplier, then I'll upload those products, remove those uh, dummy products, the demo products, and then I'll just contact every other supplier. So I, I've never really found it to be an issue or to be that hard to do, and no one's ever told me like they don't you know, like the products I have in my site or anything like that. So you mentioned that, you know, if you try to search for like product X and then put dropshipper next to it, you really are not finding the companies that you're looking for. So is there a place that you, you think is reputable where you can simplify your market research a little bit, or this is really just, you have to do it the old fashioned way and try to reverse engineer whatever products you find. Yeah, I think the best way to do it by far is reverse engineering. Uh, That's how you're going to find the most suppliers. That's how you're going to find the ones that are actually really in business, that are doing business right now, that are being sold. So I think that's the the best way to do it is to go out there and do your research. So like I said earlier, when I started my first uh, web store in an expensive niche, it took months of research before we actually started it. So people think that, you know, I, I don't think it, I, I don't think this is hard. I don't think building an e-commerce store that gets a lot of sales is a hard thing to do, but it takes time. So just because something is simple doesn't mean that it could happen overnight. So the research part, I think, is the most important. If you don't do that right, then you might be wasting all your time building a store, getting suppliers, getting traffic. So uh, research is everything. Going out there, finding the people that are already doing it and finding out who they're selling for and how they're getting sales. So... Today, how much time do you spend on, on your business and what do you spend your time on? I have a few few different projects now, so it's a little different. I mean, if you would have asked me two years ago, it would be totally different. But I, I have sold off a good amount of my e-commerce stores. I still own a handful. With those stores, I put in about, I'd say, an hour to two hours of work a day. And that's because I do have a lot of people that help me with them. It's not like I'm doing everything myself. So an hour to two hours a day on e-commerce projects. And then I also run membership sites now that I started to get into about a year ago. So I do work on that for a few hours a day. I put more of my actual time into that. Um, recently, I've been, I'm have been i doing an e-commerce retreat actually out in Thailand in October. So for the past couple months, I've been putting a lot of time into the planning of that. 
But as far as my work on my e-commerce stores now, I basically review my analytics. I make sure my, all my traffic is still coming the right way. I make sure the numbers are correct. I make sure accounting all adds up. And I kind of do big picture stuff for my e-commerce businesses. So let's talk about, you, you know, you obviously have succeeded and are succeeding with, with dropshipping and selling online. So let's talk about what are some of the reasons why people fail doing the same thing you're trying to do. I think the, the biggest failure point would be, first of all, people that just want to get into dropshipping. And again, like we spoke about, just Googling uh, dropshipping or something like that. Every company you find is going to be impossible to make money from. So that's the, the number one thing. I think beyond that, the reason people would fail with this business model or any online business model is that people, when, when you hear about making money online or an opportunity like this, a lot of people just assume that it's going to be easy. They think it's going to not take that long and they don't think of it as a real business. So when I first got into online business, like we spoke about, I came from that offline mindset, even though I only had a short stint there, I had it in my mind that this is a full-time thing. So even that first store that I built that was selling those bakery products, I didn't look at it as a side project that I hope makes me money or that's going to make me rich. I looked at it as this is my business now, the same way I would have if I would have taken out a loan for $300,000 and built a bakery myself. I, and I did that with everything moving forward. So whenever I build a new new membership site, a new course, a new e-commerce store, whatever it is, I look at it the same way I would if I was taking out a huge loan and setting up an offline business because it really is the same thing. Even though you could do it for almost no money, the amount of work and effort and everything that goes into it, it's, you should have that mindset of this is a real business and I'm going to have to hustle just as hard as that offline guy to get it off the ground, to get it running, to get it profitable. So I think a lot of it has to do with mindset. So talk about uh, dropshiplifestyle.com. How did you start uh, that business? How did you, I mean, what, what was the general, the, I mean, this kind of a natural evolution for you to get, to get into that business, but can you share how, you, how it came about and what is it? Yeah, so like I was saying, when, when myself and my business partner first really got into e-commerce in a big way and we were doing over a million in sales before we knew anyone in this space, before we knew like there were actually communities of people out there that were doing this as well. Um, and then and I'd say around maybe early 2012, I actually started finding different online forums where people were talking about e-commerce. They were talking about drop shipping, talking about warehousing items, shipping, all this stuff. And then I, I was reading all these, these threads basically on this online forum. And I was like, this makes no sense. And again, I taught myself everything I know. And the way people were doing things was just so backwards and so wrong. So I started to contribute to different forums and uh, people liked what I had to say because it was real information from someone that actually has done this and that is doing it. So I started to get people asking me all these questions like I'm running this store, can you help me or how do I do this or how do I do that? And for maybe a month or so, I posted a lot on a, on a forum and people, like I said, they, they really liked what I had to say because it was the real deal. So everyone was asking me for basically coaching and stuff like that and I'm big on having my own time to put into my own businesses. So I didn't want to do any private coaching or anything like that. So I thought, how can I share information in a way that's more helpful than me spending time on a forum all day? So I basically took my knowledge and my process for building a new store and I recorded it all. I just did it with, uh, you know, basically Camtasia and ScreenFlow. And I recorded some PowerPoint presentations with me speaking over them. I recorded some screen share videos of me showing how I actually do different things like 
finding uh, different niches, doing market research, how I find different suppliers, how I reverse engineer businesses, how I build websites, how I get traffic. I did it all in video form because I think I mean it's easier for me to do and I think it's more useful than writing a book or something like that. So I did that. I uploaded it to a site called dropshiplifestyle.com. And I posted in the forum where I had been sharing advice. If you guys want to know more, here's my course. You could purchase it here. And since then, people have been signing up. And I mean, it's been going amazing. That was about 18 months ago. And I've had tons of success stories since then because it just it really is simple information that just works. It's a it's a seven step process that I do. And if people follow it and then really, again, think of it like a real business. I really think there's no reason why people can't make it work. And in fact, I've had so many people make it work that that's why I'm doing this retreat in, uh, in Thailand. It's October 7th through 10th. And I have about 100 members from my, my course from Dropship Lifestyle flying out to have a live workshop. So we're all going to work together and try, I'm going to try to help everyone make more money off their existing stores that are already profitable. Where can people find out more about that? If I don't know if they can still sign up for it. The retreat? Uh, yeah, it, it is for uh, the course members only, but it, they could see the, the information, a few videos on what's actually happen, happening at dropshiplifestyle.com uh, slash retreat. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm glad you uh, came on because I actually interviewed Johnny FD, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, he actually went through your program. From, yeah. from what I understand, and he, you know, he he has a really good story as well, and uh, you know, he spoke highly of you, and uh, you know, he made it work as well. I mean, uh, you know, his story is going to be published on on my site soon as well, and so people will get a chance to hear it. But it's really good when you can actually interview somebody uh, that creates something, and then somebody else that actually succeeds with that program. So I'm, I'm really, I feel I'm fortunate, and, and my audience as well, that they can hear the stories. Yeah, that's great. His story really is an amazing one. Yeah. So, Anton, I, I really appreciate you coming on Success Harbor today. And everybody out there, go and check out dropshiplifestyle.com. And uh, hopefully maybe you can come back a year or, or two from now and share, uh, you know, the other uh, businesses that you're building. Yeah, I'd love to do so. Thank you very much, Anton. Right. And bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks, George.